And welcome back to the mailroom where we interview aspiring entertainment industry professionals. I'm Steven. And I'm Tyler. And today we have on Greg Holdsman. Temple alum, another, another one. Temple alum. Follow <laughs> <laughs> everybody else. But Greg Holdsman, he's doing some cool stuff in the podcast world. I think he, he kind of hit the podcast world before the curve, before everybody caught on. So mm-hmm. he's got a lot of experience. And way before we started doing it. Way before we started doing it. I'm really happy to listen to this episode. Unfortunately, I couldn't be there to actually you know, interview with you. But, but we, we got some good information. We got some good information from him, number one. And number two, he's got a really sick job working for Dana Carvey and David Spade's podcast. Mm-hmm. So he works at Cadence 13, a podcast company that does produces a lot of podcasts. So Greg Holdsman is the direct producer for Fly on the Wall, David Spade and Dana Carvey's podcast. If you don't know who they are, look them up. I don't think we have to, <laughs> to explain that one. And he's also a producer for C.J. Uh, C. McCollum. Yes, for uh, C.J. McCollum. Point guard for the podcast. New Orleans Pelicans. Mm-hmm. Yep. He has a podcast as well. And Greg Holzman is the producer for that. So, uh, yeah, he's doing some pretty cool stuff in the podcast world. Let's, uh, let's hear it. Here's Greg. Greg Holdsman. Welcome to the mailroom. Thank you. Great to be here. Uh, so you are a podcast guy yourself, aren't you? Mm, I could self-identify that way in some instances, yeah. <laughs> in some instances. I mean, you've been doing podcasts for years. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I would. Yeah, about uh, four and a half, five years. Yeah, that's so. And so, what was the first podcast you did that I created, hosted? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was called Philly Famous. I was twenty, just about twenty-one years old, and. Um, Bought a mic and started interviewing people in Philly that I thought were doing cool things. It started as a small hobby and grew into something bigger. So I interviewed a lot of entertainers and athletes and activists and business owners and entrepreneurs. And it was called Philly Famous. And I did it for three and a half years, maybe. And why'd you stop? You know, a lot of people have asked me that. I, I don't, I'm not ruling out the possibility of continuing it at some point. Um, I just, it wasn't doing anything for for me and my career anymore i had gotten in the position to get jobs that i really wanted to get and philly famous was a big part of helping me get there um but for the work that it would take to continue it it just wasn't worth it at, at the time mm. um but i do ultimately want to get back into interviewing myself because i love the art of interviewing and thought that that was a path i wanted to to go down so either through philly famous or through another show i do want to get back into having my own show all right, so you did Philly Famous, stopped it after three and a half years. Then what, uh, podcast-wise? Well, uh, there's a lot to kind of get into, but during after, right after college, I got a job in L.A. Uh, producing a, uh, for a company called Believe Limited, which super small boutique content agency. Um, all their content is in rare disease, so it was super, super niche. Um and I was the producer there for a year and a half. It wasn't necessarily my my passion or my expertise, that type of content, mm-hmm. but it got me out to LA and it got me producing professionally full time. Um, and uh, I we got to skip to it. What are you doing now? Well, right now I'm producing for Cadence 13, 
which is a really really large podcast company that has over a hundred shows in in narrative shows in fiction in sports in health in pop culture it has everything there's two shows that I'm currently working on for them uh, one is pull up with CJ McCollum he play, now plays for the for the uh, New Orleans Pelicans he played for the Trailblazers for nine years mm-hmm. uh, that's like a basketball podcast and I have a basketball background so that's great but the main show that I'm working on is called Fly on the Wall uh, it is a Saturday Night Live kind of history reflective interview podcast hosted by David Spade and Dana Carvey and that it's blowing up right now yeah it's it been not? it's been about six weeks since launch and it's currently number three in comedy on itunes and it's in the top i don't know top 10 in spotify and it's doing great numbers and it's a ton of fun yeah and i was just telling you so i was listening to the conan o'brien episode and i'm a huge fan of conan especially in the podcast world like love his team coco podcast i think he's always a great guest to have on a podcast because he um is very smart funny and has a very good uh banter with everybody like in the comedy world loved the episode and within the first two seconds they're talking about how tall conan is and they're like yeah uh just like greg holdsman and i was like whoa <laughs> i'm about to have this kid on the podcast and a few hours, and you hear uh, David Spade just shouting me out. Your it, was, name. it was actually Dana Carvey. It was Dana, he, Carvey Dana has been very generous with dropping my name on the podcast. <laughs> he actually dropped it on Howard Stern the other day too. Did he? Yeah, he, they, they were interviewed about the show, and he said something about how he was telling his producer Greg Holtzman. He very like very <laughs> like you know said my name said my full name, uh, and uh, yeah, he just and, and then he texted me afterwards, and he was like, you know, if there's one thing we're gonna do, we're gonna make you famous, and like he just is very very kind and, and thoughtful in that way with uh, making sure that he says my name. So as a producer for these two comedy legends, what is it that you are doing? At, at, at this company, every different show we do is different depending on the contracts we sign in terms of what the producer's role is. Sure. With this specific show, I am their day-to-day point of contact, answering any questions they have. I'm scheduling with them. I'm in the recordings. I'm editing each show. Um, I'm publishing each show. And I'm working with the booking team to make sure everything's set with the guest, um, selecting social media clips, and they've I've really earned their trust to give them pretty regular feedback on the, their interviewing style, on the content of the show. Um, so I'm really I've been able to like really work with them in a, in a in a very real sense to give them real content notes which is my favorite part of of the show i'm also doing research on the guests and all that kind of stuff but my favorite my favorite part of the of the responsibilities is just dealing with them on a day-to-day basis and being in constant communication so you're not you're not doing the editing i am doing the editing you're also doing the yeah, editing. yeah so are you are you booking the talent as well i'm not no so we have who, a separate agency that does that okay so an agency books the talent so you're kind of just you're their point of contact for everything podcast wise yes and that's well well that's incredible it's a lot of fun (laughs) and so are they very reliant on you like especially like they're yes two comedians they know how to probably act on a podcast but i'm you have podcast experience for years are they very reliant on you to kind of help with that tech wise i i first of all i don't identify as like a super tech genius at all sure like i learned all this by doing um, but tech-wise, yeah, they they do lean on me quite a bit. Um, it was funny. A big reason why I've been able to to gain this trust with them is 
I was put in the position to be with him in person very early on. I have a, a boss or a supervisor who was supposed to go to David's house the first recording we had uh, just to get help him set up and everything. And he got COVID. So they sent me. And that was huge just to like build that like – because before that, they knew I was their producer. But it was only through Zoom and they didn't know who I was. Right. And I was able to like go to David's house, meet him, gain his trust. Um, and then since then, I've been to his and Dana's house multiple times to do various recordings and they they know me now and uh, i feel like a real producer um at least in my eyes where i feel like over zoom it's very difficult to build that rapport with cj on the other side producer has been a little bit more difficult just because i have never really met him um what was your original question um what was (laughs) i don't know i'm so interested i I was so caught so like but basically if it weren't for covid would you not be in this producer i don't think i would have had an opportunity to go see them in person as often as I do. Um, the and question was, do they rely on you? I, oh, uh, right? the question was, do they rely on me? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so, you know, Dana has called me a few times and been like, you know, you're, you've been on every recording. You're super, you're super objective. What can you tell us about, like, how do you think this has been going? And sure. again, like I, the great thing about this show is I don't have to do much because they're so talented at, being great comedians and Mm -hmm. speaking off the cuff and there's really not that much prep that goes into it from telling them you know what i think they should ask a certain guest or direction i think it should go they're great at doing it on their own you know i do have notes afterwards that i will share with them but um they're great on their own i think i serve a very small purpose in in elevating the show so and in your past podcast endeavors you just talked about prep would you usually, like, let's say you interview somebody famous from Philly, like mm-hmm. a sports person, an entertainment person, would you usually do a lot of research beforehand on that person, draft up the list of questions? Like, was it very calculated Ton- going into the tons, podcast? Tons. And, and for this, you're saying there's really not that too much Well, going what on. I do for them is I will very briefly run through IMDb or Wikipedia and just put together just some quick career highlights, but let them take it where they, where they may. I don't have any... Well, actually... David will ask me usually the day of like, can you please send me some some questions that you have? Okay. Uh, Dana does a ton of prep on his own, and I'll send some stuff to David. He may or may not use what I send him, because Dana really does lead the show. He's by far the bigger voice. David comes in with these hilarious like quips off the cuff. Sometimes the guests and Dana don't even hear it, but like in the post edit, you know, you'll hear it. And it's hilarious because they're just super quick line one liners. That's more his role. Dana asks more of the hard-hitting questions, but I think that balance is important. Hmm. All right. So, you know, what I'd like to do with this episode, too, um, it could be a very meta episode. As like Clearly, we are on a podcast, and you are a podcast uh, expert in a way. Mm-hmm. Some, some would say. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're going to be a little humble with it, but I'll say you're a podcast expert. So how many podcasts have you had in total? With Fly on the Wall? No, with Forever. That I've how many podcasts? How many podcasts have you worked on in total throughout your life? Uh, somewhere between six and ten. There were like a couple that I was like full time on, sure. and some that I just helped out with. I've launched two of my own. Mm-hmm. Um, so the two you launched on your own were the Philly Famous Philly Famous, and, and then and, Fixing the NBA, right? Which was a scripted show that I did with a friend. Is that done, or is that still going on? We might do a season two. I actually really enjoy. I'm a huge NBA fan mm-hmm. and a huge basketball fan, and this show is all about 
you know, what we would change to the game to make it better. And my friend Adam Levin Epstein would script these amazing uh, rule changes that he wanted, and I would produce it, quote unquote. I would edit it, and I would help him with the script, and I would throw in some like funny sound bites and do the whole music layers, and yeah. So that show was a ton of fun. I'm super busy right now with my current job, but I do want to do a season two. That's amazing. Uh, and I mean, you know how to launch, but, and was that these podcasts that you made, I'm sure it's very helpful in landing this job at Cadence 13 as well. Like, did they look at totally. that? Totally. So a big, I launched that, that fixing the NBA show, maybe three to four months before I got this current job. I think it was huge for me getting this job because one, this the Cadence 13, they hired me, a lot because I was a sports person and they needed more sports producers. Okay. And just to have that on my and resume. That's, and that's how you got the CJ McCollum show? Definitely. Okay. And then how do you land this Dana Carvey and David Spade show? It was the first show they put me on at the job. It was wow. Before I even did anything, they were like, I got an email from my boss and he was like, this is looking like we're going to have this show. I think I'm going to assign it to you. This is before I even started the job. It was like a week, be- the week between accepting it and starting it. But previously, I would say before the last few years, a lot of their stuff was just there was other companies producing it and they were like the distributors the marketers they did sales again every contract we signed is different they've recently gotten much more into original content and we have they've invented a thing called podcast movies or audio movies which are essentially feature-length films but in audio version and we've done like three of them one is called treat one is called a ghostwriter and that's voiced by adam scott and kate mara Mm. and like we think that it's going to take off as like a big type of audio that's that's a completely new space. Yeah. Uh, so this is kind of like I guess, like they're almost for they're they're one of the first uh, people, that, one of the first companies that are entering into this narrative space of podcast. Or has this been going narrative space has existed, but it's more like uh, episodic and, and serial. Where ours, right. it's going to be like just a feature length film, but in audio version. That is amazing. Wow. For, a movie for your ears, they call it. Okay. And I don't have any touch point in the narrative space as of yet. I think I do ultimately want to get into that space. Right now, I'm just in the interview space because mm-hmm. um, that's where my background is. Um, but we do, we have so many different types of shows. And we have you know, Gwyneth Paltrow. And we have influencers like Emma Chamberlain and the D'Amelio sisters. Um, athletes like KD and JJ Redick. Um, and then now, Fly on the Wall is probably... Fly on the Wall, I think, is our biggest interview show right now. Uh, we're getting, we're getting massive, massive guests and they you know, it was promoted on Jimmy Kimmel and Howard Stern. So it's a really, really big show. I mean, David Spade, he was just making the rounds on his own, uh, interviews as not as, and he was being the interviewer, but he was being the interviewee. Like I saw him, he was on Kevin Hart recently. That was, again, all for this show. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what was he? He was just on something else. Uh, he was on Kevin Hart. He was on the, um, uh, what is the name? It's Two Bears, One Cave. Yes, yes. He was the he replaced uh, Bert Kreischer. I've Bert. Yes. Yeah, he was the he was the guest. Yes, and I think he's you know going to be on Smartless soon, and he is. Yeah, so he's really making the podcast rounds to promote this podcast. And I mean, he was great on Kevin Hart. I listened. I listened. That was a great that. one. I listened to Comedy Goldmines pretty almost weekly, and I didn't know his entire story of he was a. Uh, like he didn't really go to college. He went to community college, and he kind of just like became started doing comedy because it was something different, and moved out to LA. And then because he was 
he just looked different than everybody else. There's like here, here's a movie, here's a TV David show. David is super. First of all, I know I probably sound so annoying just calling him David versus David Spade, but I literally like I, <laughs> I mean, talk you know, every day, so like right. I like I I just I don't call him David Spade, but I I understand how annoying that can sound. Mm-hmm. Um, he one thing I really like about him is that he doesn't glorify his path or even what he's doing. He is almost humble and self and self deprecating to a fault. But he really just tells it how it is. He doesn't. He he thinks that he got lucky in a lot of ways. You know, he is super talented, first of all. Um, but he doesn't try to make this big grand story about his journey. He just basically tells it how it was and how it is. That's uh, that's so great. And what about Dana? Like, he, Ed, so you're talking about Dana as he always just like tries to help you out. Like, how are these two people to you? Like, do you see them that they could uh, be mentors to you down the line? Are they already serving that position? Or are they just, like, very good people uh, to know? They're great people. Dana is such a sweet guy. And I'm not sure. Have you watched on Hulu? It was called um, Too Funny to Fail. I haven't. Highly recommend. One of the great things is that I didn't know too much about Dana before I met him. I think Mm -hmm. that helped me build a relationship with him because I wasn't at all intimidated. I wasn't, I wasn't starstruck at all. I watched this documentary on Hulu a couple months ago called Too Funny to Fail, and it's about the Dana Carvey show, which was one season, mm-hmm. and it was after his SNL tenure. I didn't realize how massive he was in the 90s, 80s and 90s. He was the biggest star in SNL, came off SNL, and launched this show, um, this sketch comedy show, that starred Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert before they were known. Louis C.K. was a writer. Um, Robert Schmeigel from SNL was a writer. And Dana was the star. And I just didn't know like he launched these people's careers. Um, all I have to say, he's a great guy. He, he stopped, I think he kind of fell out of the limelight a little bit to be a father. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still hilarious. He's objectively, I think, a, like, he's just, a, he's an artist with his comedy. Where David, to me, is like, just a really, really funny hang. Like, he's just a funny guy on a day-to-day basis and is great stand-up. Dana is like an artist. Like, he has, his impressions, um, and just the way he thinks about the world. He's a true comic, a true artist. And he's so kind. I mean, he spent 45 minutes with me on the phone asking about me um, about probably like a month or two into the podcast. He just wanted to get to know me better. We talked about our shared love for the Golden State Warriors. And he was really interested in my history with concussions in my past. Mm-hmm. And he's just such, such a genuine guy. David is as well. David just kind of has that kind of fatherly way about him where David feels like the fun uncle. that's funny you know so um about i want to say maybe six months ago i started the larry sanders show Mm -hmm. and and within like you know sitcom from the 90s on hbo with gary shandling i think the first three or four episodes it might be the first three one of the first comedians that comes on is david spade Mm -hmm. and that's the whole episode it's david spade coming on and he does another uh, late night show before that he does theirs, so it's like it makes them feel like they they're like getting the worst one. And then there's a Dana Carvey episode where Dana comes on and he's like supposed to be a guest host, and then uh, things gotta go awry with that. But it was just so interesting because like they were some of the biggest comedians during that time it was the 90s like very i think early 90s and like now it's 2022 30 so years later and now they're just getting into the podcast 
it's very interesting. Yeah, I think a lot of people are getting, like, I think David has a joke where he goes, uh, it's like Joe Duty for an L.A. celebrity to have a podcast. You kind of have to have one. <laughs> yeah. But they're really naturally good at it. And they've learned, like, we've had a couple slight course corrections we've had to make with their balance and their chemistry, but they have very natural chemistry. Um, I see, you know, something hilarious they said when I was listening to Conan one. They were, so, they were like, I met this comedian. I'm not going to name who it was, uh, but I was talking to him, and I was like, oh, do you have a podcast? And they were like, no. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you have to have a podcast. It's so funny. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like there is definitely some truth in that, that it, the podcast space, especially through the pandemic, has grown immensely. And almost every comedian, many celebrities, like, even myself are getting into the podcast game yet you have been here from way before the start and it before when it i first up. started listening to podcasts which was probably 2015 mm-hmm. i still felt like wow like this launched so long ago how did i not know about this and now people are still saying that like it still feels very new and it really because the people that I listen to are like Bill Simmons, who was like, the, the, they call him the podfather. Like, he was so early on. Um, and people are pretty, pretty fed up with everybody starting a podcast. At this point, it's like, it's not ex- that exciting anymore. Although I will say, mm-hmm. a lot of people have commented, whether on Instagram or on Apple, uh, on our show, didn't know the world needed another podcast. But like, this one is unique. And it's there isn't like another SNL-focused one. Right. And Dana and David really bring a fresh take because they're not... They don't talk about politics. They don't really talk about real world stuff. It's just happy and fun and filled with laughter and nostalgia. And I really do think with all the celebrity interview podcasts out there, this one is unique. Mm-hmm. I, I I love the idea behind it too of just it being like we were two people on SNL. Like so we and like everybody knows like there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes of SNL that is history on history of secrets and amazing things so it's just cool to for two people to have that perspective bring on somebody else who has also from snl that has a different perspective of what the show was like and maybe a different decade maybe a different part of the show and yeah. just kind of talk about well, it. i think what i was unaware of before producing the show and I, I started reading a book called live from new york which is like a complete history of snl i think but it was launched it was written in like 2001 so it was a okay. long time ago but it was a pretty good representation of what the show has done for culture i did not know how many people were attached to snl whether it launched a career um being a, a cast member or a writer or people that have hosted like the reason why this guest list that we can have for the show is immense is because Everyone has been a part of it in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that you know Sarah Silverman was on the show and Julie Louis right. Dreyfus, mm-hmm. um, Bob Odenkirk was a writer, Conan was a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes so it deep. goes on and on and on. I mean, the people that have hosted it's it's unbelievable. Like any celebrity that I want to be on the show, I can literally just Google you know John C. Riley SNL because John C. Riley has this show, this Lakers show. Yeah, he hosted in two thousand six. Like, of course he did. So like, we can have him on the show. So it really is we can have almost anybody. I imagine as a producer, is your job maybe to like see the longevity of the show and be like, oh, this is a good talent to book on for this episode or this order. Like, are those things that you will chime in about? That's really not my role, but I will 
I will mention to Dana or David, like, hey, I think this person would be really cool. And sometimes they don't respond to me. Sometimes sure. they're like, you know, that's actually a great idea. Do you have, do you have a three-person group chat? Is it? Yeah. Yes. And they communicate through voice message, which <laughs> I like, had never done before. But everything is like a minute-long thing where they, you know, speak into their phone. And at the end, every time Dana sends one, he finishes with, goodbye. Like, every message. It can be a five-second message, but it always ends with, goodbye. That's too funny. Um so if it's not really the longevity of the podcast that you're focusing on, it's more the episode by episode. Is it how can we make this episode the best it can possibly be? Is that really your goal? Yeah, I make sure everything runs smoothly. Okay. I, I, at its essence, producing is just problem solving. Right. So for me, it's making sure everything with the audio is working. We have had some a couple audio issues yeah, here so, and there. So what are some problems that you've run into with this podcast that you've had to deal with in the moment, as quick as possible. Um, in the moment, as quick as possible. Or what are some problems that you've prevented um, just from being a producer? Well, I, I'm not sure I can get... I mean, there's a couple tech things that I mean, it's boring to get into, but... You know, with with Tom Hanks, we had him on, mm-hmm. and and so you could bring Tom Hanks on because he hosted SNL. I mean, Tom Hanks hosted right. ten to eleven times. He's one of the, he's one of the big ones. He's basically an honorary cast member. And if you listen to his episode, like he just cannot say enough great things about hosting SNL and mm-hmm. the cast and how much fun he's had. But his episode was tough um, to edit. I don't. Dana and David. Do not want any jokes taken out of the. They don't really want anything taken out, but they have given me the trust to be like, if you think stuff needs to be tightened, you can do that. We really have not done that with many episodes. Like I will tighten like talking over each other and and certain things, but with Tom Hanks, the first thirty to forty minutes was it, it wasn't rough, but it was no, there was no SNL talk. It was basically Dana asking Tom Hanks about old toys, old movies, and just stuff from ba- the baby boomer era. Mm-hmm. And it was actually very interesting stuff, but just went on way too long. So I was put in the position to like edit Tom Hanks, essentially. So I took like <laughs> you edited Tom Hanks. 20 to 30 minutes out of the episode. Out of the episode. And like, those were all my decisions, which I love because like it was my way to insert my own creative thought into the show. Because while I am, while for this show I do serve as like the operational technical producer, my real passion is in creative producing. And mm-hmm. that's why I love giving them feedback and really working with them on like how we think we want to really build out this show. And I do create the guest order for the most part because um, I think that's important. I try to, you know, mix in. How many weeks before, well, what's the recording timeline? You record an episode, when's it get posted? Well, we, we banked like 20 before the show even launched. Really? So we haven't, we have a lot that we haven't released. That being said, they've gotten better and better, so. You know, you know how many we banked before we? How many? <laughs> we are, somehow we've continued to post one every single week, but we are, we right now we have one, three in the bank. We have three in the bank. You are going to be the fourth that is going in the bank. Yeah, I didn't bank any for Filthy Famous either. And then it, it it keeps you going. You're just like I have to put. Well, an you're on a, week, a consistent weekly schedule. Yes. I never had that. You, okay, I I love. I think it's a much smarter way to go. It it keeps us driven. It's like how can totally. we keep this consistent? Like, yeah, and it keeps it from being overwhelming. Where like sometimes you're releasing two or three, and like right. and then you have a two months hiatus. Like you're, it's better mm-hmm. this way. 
Um, right now, I have like probably two months scheduled out with some very, very, very big hitters. Like the next two months are going to be insane guests. Um, and so sometimes you'll be like, I think. So let's. You recorded. Well, I don't know how it is, but you can say. Let's say, for instance, I don't know if this happened. You recorded Conan first, and then Tom Hanks last, mm-hmm. and then you're like, "Oh, let's just like put Conan at three and Tom Hanks." I don't know what it is, but Conan at three and Tom Hanks at four. Like, are you doing that mixing and matching the guests to make them in like yeah. the best order? That it's they a, can. yeah. So we record with John Hamm this week, and I think th- I, I think it's going to go really well. I think we're going to release it the week after. Wow, where. That's not the case for a lot of people. So you're really focused on trying to make these episodes as evergreen as possible. A thousand percent. That was a huge discussion with us beforehand. It's it's actually makes we we record these intros that are separate from the episode. And it's basically just them that's, bullshitting about that's what we do life, <laughs> and then they'll like introduce the guest. But it's not like a it's not like here's the guest bio. It's not like that at all. Mm-hmm. And a big discussion point before we launched the show was. Are we going to make these intros slash the episodes topical at all? Because David really wanted that. But we decided, like, we want to make these evergreen as possible. In two to three years, if someone listens to this episode, will it still hold hold up? Because we think this show is going to be... It is very popular right now. We think it's going to be continued to be discovered by many, many people. And we want people to be able to go back and listen 100%. to Chris right. Rock, Rob Lowe, Tina Fey, and have it feel just as fresh as it did when we first launched. So mm-hmm. we want to keep it as evergreen as possible. Um, but when I, when I make the guest order, it, it is about the quality of the episode it's about how famous the person is but it's also okay we've had four episodes with no female on the show let's mix someone in right and just by by who they know by who's been on snl there are naturally just more men it's just the way it is but same thing you know with race like you know again there have been way more white cast members mm-hmm. but we launched with chris rock and we are going to have tim meadows on and garrett morris and ellen Clayhorn. so we are going to that is a, a that goes through my mind. I want to keep it as diverse as possible. possible. That makes a, hun- a lot of sense. And so you were talking about quality. Let's say they record an episode and it's terrible. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is trash. I don't even know if we can post this. Are you kind of, are there episodes that you'll be like, yeah, like this is probably never going to get posted? Or... Is it like, all right, let's post a really good one this time, we'll throw in a bad one, then we'll throw in a good one, or let's just push this one off as long as we can? What is your process that happens when you don't have the best quality episode? Well, there really are no bad ones. I will say that. That's great. Um, That being said, and and if there was, it wouldn't be my call to not post it. Okay. I, I don't necessarily know if there's in the contract anything about, like, we have to post the episode. Right. So far, we haven't run into that issue. We've had a couple of tech issues, which have been like one time David didn't record. Actually, twice David didn't record. Um, <laughs> That's a big tech issue. <laughs> but we have the Zoom audio, and it's not great. So we like actually David records like a funny disclaimer at, at, in the intro, like guys, like if you're a super like audio nerd, like this may not be for you. But you know, please forgive me. Like it's funny uh, the way he he plays it off. And so what what do you do? You just pick it up from. Dana's mic? No, it's Zoom, zoom Audio. We have, we, we have the Zoom Audio. Oh, okay. Because we record locally. Okay. Uh, like, they have their own recording kits. That they, you know, they upload the audio afterwards, and I kind of piece it all together. So, nobody's together in... No, as of now, person. no. Dana and David are together for the intros. Okay. That's the only thing they're together for. I think, ultimately, they do want to be together, but just right now, it's just... Too tough. 
too tough. I mean, it, it, I love. I, I said for at least our podcast, we're never doing Zoom. I I don't want to, but it's also that's the point. It's like a lot of this podcast, besides just giving informational entertainment to kids who want to go into entertainment or people who are interested in entertainment, also for myself and Tyler, who is unfortunately not here today, to meet people and become better friends with people in the industry. It, it creates a whole different experience. The, right. the intimacy of reading body language. It's one of the reasons why I was insistent that for the intros, they, they, they go, they'd be together. Because I really wanted them to feel what that in-person chemistry is like. And like you can yeah read body language, you read facial expression. It prevents people from talking over each other, right. which has been an issue with Zoom. And that's probably in the edit is my biggest thing is just making sure... We have as little of that as possible with mm-hmm. keeping all the jokes in. So what are some of the podcasts that you are listening to today? I listen to a lot of like basketball ones, sports interview <laughs> ones. Uh, Bill Simmons is probably my like go-to. Uh, Ryan Rossillo. And to, to Bill Simmons is The Ringer. The right? Ringer. I listen to a lot of Ringer podcasts. I listen to The Rewatchables. I listen to The Watch, which breaks down TV shows, The Rewatchables mm-hmm. movies. Um, I just listen to reality TV show podcast. I think that's what it's called, like reality TV show. Right. Or, uh, reality TV podcast. And I just watched Love is Blind with my girlfriend, and they did a whole Love is Blind breakdown. The Ringer does have a monopoly. on It's like The Ringer, Barstool. So, and so also, what are some other podcast companies that you are competing with? Like there's Cadence 13. Wondery. Uh-huh. Um, Spotify. How about Earwolf? Would that be up there? Yeah, Earwolf is up. I think Earwolf is owned by Stitcher. Right. So okay. I think St- Stitcher. Um, in terms of this specific show, Fly on the Wall, we're competing against Conan O'Brien show. We're mm-hmm. competing against Smartlist. Smartlist was like our like target, like let's be like Smartlist, but different. Smartlist so good. <laughs> yeah, and they, so they just did like a live tour. Uh-huh. We're doing a live show in Austin. Really? In April. Do you listen to the Always Sunny podcast? I do not. I've actually never watched Always You've Sunny. You've never listened to it? But, so, but you know that it's like top. Of the charts and all this on all the podcast stuff. Yeah, I mean, when I look at Apple, morbid. I think it was like a true crime comedy thing is always number one. Okay, and then it's somewhere, and then it's always either us or Smartless or Always Sunny or the Zoe Deschanel New Girl one. Oh, uh, Zoe Deschanel is a podcast for what she talks about New Girl. It's everyone's episodes? doing the the, the, the rewind of the TV yes, show. I've listened to Office Lady. What Rob Lowe yeah. is doing Parks and yeah, Rec. Office Lady is always in there competing, but. I mean, we've now been launched for six weeks. I th- well, we reached number one in comedy the first day we launched, and I thought it was just like luck, and we were probably going to fall. We've pretty much stayed at the top of the charts. And so what do you look at? You look at Spotify, you look at Apple. Spotify and Apple. That's it. Like, I'm sure you're everywhere, right? You're on Stitcher, Google, yeah, yeah. Amazon, but it's really Spotify and Apple that you're assessing. That's what I look at. Now, we have a whole department of our company that analyzes all the, st- all the stats. I don't. I just look at, you know, what I'm seeing you are a, a huge podcast guy who has so much experience in the podcast world and now you at what 25 26 what is it how old are you i'm 25 25 years old producing dana carvey and david spade in their first time podcast endeavor you're their go-to honestly podcast guy. i couldn't have got luckier like i sometimes i can't believe how quickly it went from not really loving what i'm doing to now every day feeling pumped up to be working with this these you know a-level actually i'm not sure well it's funny i I have a whole debate with some friends like what is an a-lister and they probably would say that dave and dana aren't i would say they definitely are i would say they are but like we like they have my friends a very narrow idea of what an a-lister is 
I, I think if you were an A-list talent, you're a household name. And like, I, I, I agree. Yeah, and, and these guys are. And so yeah, to your point, I love, 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 love what I'm doing, and and feel incredibly lucky. And I think it just really, I think everyone's path is different. So I don't want to like preach it all, but I think it really does show like just being in LA first of all, and you know that luck. People say is, you know the cliche is a combination of uh, opportunity and preparation. Right. And I really do feel like I was prepared to do this really well, and through hard work and a lot of luck, I was putting the opportunity to do it. So. I feel really, really great about where I am. Yes, but it's not luck. It's not. I, I also we've said this before on episodes with Mayor. I don't believe in luck. Um, well, it's, it's again, it's a combination of preparation and opportunity. And but yes, yes, you prepared more than anybody I know. There's not any person I know that's 25 years old that has more experience in the podcast world than you. You've launched two uh, individual original series for podcasts, talking to. And every time, like especially on the Philly Famous one, you're talking to people that you look up to, gaining information from those episodes to help you in your career a lot of the time. So like, it's like... It's the ultimate networking to yeah, have your own podcast. All, and what you're doing right all, now. It's, it's ultimate all it is. Because you can keep in touch with everyone you've right. interviewed. And I, I can tell that was probably a huge motivator to start it. 100%. It yeah. was like, uh, the worst is the worst. If we get no listens, this goes nowhere, which it could be. You're making friends. You're making exactly connections. Yeah. It's, it's really nice. Um, yeah, a lot of the people that leave this, every every single person that leaves this podcast, I now keep in touch with more than That's I That's amazing. Do. You know, I like to think of it, uh, Judd Apatow, um, when he was coming up, he had a podcast well not even when he was coming up when he was in high school he had a podcast not even a podcast because it wasn't called a podcast yet it was a radio show at his high school and he would just call comedians and talk to them and pick their brain he got people like jerry seinfeld on the podcast and just from those moments like at the end of the day like you remember those kids i think when you are even like if you've already made it you're meeting so many people just as a celebrity but you remember the kids that reach out to you and have their selves together enough to show interest in what you're doing Mm -hmm. and like have the knowledge behind it i think it's a very impressive thing to kind of instead of a lateral network but to reach up and Mm -hmm. network bring them on and you can gain their respect by Mm -hmm. interviewing them intelligently showing them you did the research it's not just ask like sending them an email asking for a favor you are and also, bringing them in person is so huge. So would you do that in Philly Famous as much as Yeah, you I only did like two Zoom interviews and I hated them. Really? Um, I needed to get them. Uh, and I love having them at my house. Like they really got a feel for who I was. And sure. I tried my best to make that a really good first impression. Yes, I want to create great content. But I want to really show whoever I was interviewing that I put a lot of effort and thought into this. And hopefully build a genuine connection that is really hard to do through an email or through Zoom or even through getting coffee because mm-hmm. that, again, feels like you're just asking for favors. Right. We're having a podcast that feels like you're having some sort of back and forth and mutual dialogue. Yes, 100%. I mean, that's all this is. It's a conversation at the end of the day and there's just two microphones in front of us. Yeah. So no, I think it's so funny. <laughs> David, and I don't mean to cut you off, but no. Dana and David Please. always say like, you know, this is really more of a conversation than an interview. And they think it's like this, like, n- this new idea. Like, every <laughs> single so person who's ever had a podcast <laughs> says that 
they want to have a conversation, not an interview. Everyone's like, you know, I want to launch a podcast. I want it to be just like, you know, Joe Rogan, like super casual. Everybody <laughs> says that. It's so hard to do. But it is true. Like, Fly on the Wall is truly a conversation between three comedic minds. It feels like you're at dinner with them. It truly feels like you're a fly on the wall for a conversation with three comedic geniuses. Yeah, that's, that's a smart name, too. Fly on the wall. Was it you? It was not me. And I, I don't know if it's a really smart name because... I like, like it. it <laughs> how do I put this? Similar to what I was just saying, everyone says, oh, podcast. Sounds like you're a fly on the wall. There are, there are also like 50 other podcasts with the name Fly on the Wall. Yeah, but I don't know. It's the same as Smartless. It's like three people that like kind of... I, I mean, I guess there's a little more irony in Smartless because they kind of present themselves as three people that don't know what the, they're yeah, saying. The simplicity and like the basicness of the name kind of works for our show. Right. Also, we couldn't use SNL in the name just because of rights mm-hmm. and whatnot. So it, it does work. And people have kind of made a joke out of it. And now we call our listeners fleas. Like it's got a whole thing to it. Are you bringing uh, Lauren on the podcast? They, they've been asked that. And even like... Whether they're asked that publicly or privately, they give the same answer, which is kind of vague. It's like, we'd love to have him on. You know, yeah, I'm sure he would. But they never say, like, yes, we're asking him. Mm. I don't really know. There is definitely some element of reverence slash fear with him, with all the SNL people. They all, they all First of all, they talk about Lauren on every episode in a very flattering way, in a very funny way, too. They do impressions of him and tell stories about him. But when it comes to, like, talking about having him on the show, there is an element of not defensiveness, but... Sure, but there's not there's no commitment. Um, oh, I wanted to ask too. Um, do they ever talk about the SNL after parties on the show as well? They mentioned it a couple times. I just found out about the SNL. No, after they parties. they do talk a lot about I, behind the scenes, and they're they're very open. I will say that's great. They, they restrict themselves a little bit. You know, they don't want to talk shit on a lot of people. Um, we just had uh, released a video encouraging fans to send emails to the show. We're gonna do a, a connect like an ask me anything segment that we're gonna that we're gonna launch soon. And some of the questions get really personal. I don't think they, again, they don't want to talk trash. They don't want to get too, too personal. Sure. But they do really share a lot about SNL. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, there is nothing more I love doing on the mailroom than plugging other podcasts. But I do want to talk about you. Okay. <laughs> so you said that the last job that you had, um, but it, it wasn't the best job. So what were It you got doing? me out here. I love my boss. Love my team. What was it? It was, again, I mentioned earlier, it's called Believe Limited. Right. All the content was in rare disease. More specifically, bleeding disorders. So it and, was but super, it was podcast. It was podcast, and it, we, we did documentaries and short films. My job was the lead podcast producer. And so you had this job before you came out here. I got it. I got the offer a week after I finished college, and I was already out here because I thought also I was going to Temple University. Temple University. Yes, where, I, we, where I went to school as well. Yes. But we you. didn't know each other. We did not know each other. <laughs> I thought I was going to get the job. So, so I came out here. Mm-hmm. I figured like if I didn't get the job, something would, would turn up. And I sure. got the job. And I started January 3rd. Like I graduated in December 19th. Started my job January 3rd. Okay. And to be honest, now, yes, I didn't love it. It wasn't my passion. It got me through the pandemic. I had a job. I never had to worry about money. That is amazing. And I, I was I have that, so. learning. Like, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about audio production. I learned about audio quality. Now, when I got to Cadence, I learned way more. Like I now, really? I listen to a podcast and I can immediately tell if it was professionally produced or not. Hmm. Um, but I also just learned how to be a part of a team and how to have a job at, at, at Believe. Um, so to answer your question, that's what I was doing. But I was also doing some Philly Famous on the side and launched Fixing the NBA while I was there. And I was just kind of getting adjusted to LA. The pandemic 
throw a wrench right. in a lot of that. I mean, I remember we went to Jam in the Van, the comedy show, mm-hmm. together. That was probably, what, mid-peak pandemic, too? Or, like, I guess we were getting yeah. out of it Yeah, who did we see that? Who was... Jeremy Piven. Craig oh, and Craig Robinson. Robinson. That yeah, was my first show. comedy show in LA. I was so yeah. blown away. LA really got me into stand-up comedy, which is crazy because like I had no idea I was going to be working with stand-up comics. Mm-hmm. Right. And, then, and, then and, I, and I got to see David do his first, uh, my first time seeing him perform was a few weeks ago. He he hooked me up with like a VIP table, which was awesome. Oh, that's yeah. so nice. And it's also funny too. I also had no idea I'd be working with stand-up comics. And yeah. So am I too. Now yeah. I work in comedy booking. <laughs> yeah. And I love comedy. And like I have... I do not identify as like a, a comic in any way whatsoever and had never been to a show before I was in LA, mm-hmm. but I love, I was last night I went to see Akash Singh at uh, Dynasty Typewriter. Oh, okay. And I just love it. And to be working with, I love funny people. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes you a funnier, better, smarter person hanging around really, 100%. really cool comics. I mean, the so I com- and the comedy people, like you, it's just how Dana and uh, David are able to make this podcast at all. They all hang out with each other. They all know each other. They all bounce it's off each other. It's such a cool world. It's I'm so, so envious that like... And, and there's a full-on comedy scene yeah. in the world. It's just a tight-knit bubble. And so amazing. And they're so smart. I mean, it's so funny. Like Every now and then in the group chat, I'll throw in a funny line that I think is funny. And like if I get like a ha ha back or like a reaction, I know like, <laughs> I crushed it because usually I get right. nothing. Is there Dana Carvey and Davis? Yeah, usually I'll get like, wow, that that was funny. But like, I mean, sometimes I'll get that was funny, but usually it's nothing. And so it's like it's it's like my trial and error of like, am I? Do I have some humor talent or not? Would you ever do it? Like an open mic? Yeah. Have you? I'm not. But wasn't your roommate? She like your old roommate was a big. Or she, she not she big, is. but she she's she is kind of big. Yeah, really? Her name was Leah Lamar. Really? Um, she blew up on Clubhouse over the pandemic. Blew Clubhouse. Up. Her, what, she was the Clubhouse icon. Really? On the <laughs> because she that's how big she got. Oh, um, what she, a smart way to kind of get in. Yeah, get she into really Clubhouse. I respected the grind. She was constantly on that app every day using her like a uh, blowhorn and making tons of noise in the house uh, which could get a, a lot but she she utilized the pandemic to really grow her career and now she's pretty massive uh tiktok clubhouse she does stand up in la um yeah i don't know how we got here but um what were we talking about would you ever do an open mic oh yeah i think i think i would like to i, I think before i'm 30 i would like to do Open. I, I would love to write for stand-up. Yeah. I think, again, don't have a comedy background whatsoever, but through being in LA, going to comedy shows, working with Dana and David, I think that I would like to try my hand in some comedy writing. Mm-hmm. You know, I consume a lot of comedy uh, show, like comedy on TV, beyond just going to stand-up. Sure. Um, yeah, but... I think I think we got here through talking about my my first my first job. Yes, your here. first yeah. job. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to ask too. So, did you want to move to LA? At, like, was this a goal? Uh, how did you get the job, and why did you move here? Yeah, I thought LA could be cool. Um, I mean, you. T- I I know you talk to people like just through your podcast, right? You had some connections in LA. Like, it wasn't out of the blue that you kind of. Moved well, I interned to- at Fox Sports the summer of nineteen in LA. Okay. Right before right before my last semester. So like, so it wasn't fully out of the blue. It wasn't out of the blue. I, I spent time here, and I knew that if I wanted to be in entertainment, which I thought could be... This wasn't something that I dreamed about. Like, growing up, I wasn't like, I want to be in entertainment. I want to be in podcasting. I want to be in What was it? Was it sports? Was it... I had no idea. I 
loved playing sports. I loved basketball. I went to college to play basketball. And I think as you know, and we don't have to get too into this, I, mm-hmm. I had a bunch of concussions that mm-hmm. took me years and years and years to recover from. But as you long did as I've recover, been in, and now you, you can talk for an hour on a podcast. As long as I've been in podcasting yeah, is as long as I was recovering from concussions. Was podcasting very helpful for you for getting out of that? Did Was that kind of like... Huge. Yes. Huge. So, it's why I'm in podcasting today. Wow. I could not read exercise, watch TV without incredibly difficult symptoms coming coming on. Oh my goodness. Even without doing anything, I was I felt awful every day, all day for months at a time. It was absolute hell. Um so what I did just to literally get by was listen to podcasts. Lay in bed, listen to podcasts. It it kept me connected to the world. It kept me entertained. It kept me just, yeah, feeling like I was a part of something beyond just feeling miserable for myself. Mm -hmm. Because again, TV wasn't an option. It would kill my head. Reading wasn't an option. Hanging with friends was fine, but couldn't drink, uh, which again, isn't that big of a deal. But even just being out, I felt anxious all the time. I felt my head felt awful. So I listened to podcasts. And when I came to Temple, so I went to Denison to play basketball. It's in Ohio. I transferred to Temple and I started Philly Famous just through buying a mic and being like, what can I do to use my time to not shoot myself to be honest and it was it was interviewing people and it grew and grew and temple picked up the tv version of the podcast which i had to show on tu tv under the same name philly famous podcast on mm-hmm. tu tv a lot of fun and that portfolio of work i thought would help get me along with the fox sports internship i thought would help get me a really cool job out in la and it did i mean it didn't because I struck out with probably 200 applications. I was networking my ass off. Nothing was landing, but this guy, Patrick James Lynch, who runs Believe Limited, reached out to me and said, hey, someone from The Ringer actually connected. I, I was looking for podcast producers and someone from The Ringer connected me to you. Wow. And basically had two conversations, gave me the job. And in my mind, I was like, this is not really what I wanted to do, but it'll get me to LA. It'll get me learning and growing and i spent a year and a half there and i could not be more grateful for my time there i wasn't i I did love it what year is this that you moved out to la i moved to la december of 19 and i started this job january of 2020 and i left this job august of 2021 and i cannot be more thankful for my time there that's all i'll say wow that's a great story you really have like just something that is uh so like really helped you that like i i like i think a lot of people at least for me like i love entertainment it why i want to do it is because like i believe that content can do so much more to for people than like you really ever know storytelling storytelling but really just content Content, in general and you're living proof of that that just podcasts like just any type of content can like really help somebody uh immensely and it helped you so much yeah for one it helped you kind of get out of whatever hole you were in and now it's brought you uh things be that you could never even imagine yeah i i don't often look back and reflect i do but not in the sense of like this led to this, led to this. Like, you know, I don't look at like right. that. But sometimes, like, you know, looking at it now, it is pretty crazy to see the evolution. 
and yeah, now I'm not interviewing myself and I'm not having my own show, which is a little disappointing. But within sure you, the span, I'm sure, of, I'm sure you will again. I mean, within the span of four years, I didn't even know how to do a podcast, and now I'm getting to work with some of the coolest people in Hollywood, and it's not something I, I set out to do, mm-hmm. which is again a big part of how I'm approaching going forward is I don't really know what I want to do. I don't know if I want to be in podcasting. I don't know if I want to move to TV. I don't know if I want to host my own show, but I think just really working, working really hard and putting all of my effort and attention into what I'm doing in the moment and putting my my best foot forward, being really kind, being really genuine. I'm think I'm hoping that that'll just keep propelling me forward because it's worked to this point. Yes. I I mean, what else could be doing? I mean, you're learning. You're in. You're in a. You're a sponge right now in this position. Like you are, it's a dream. Like I would dream to be in the position. Really? <laughs> yeah. I think it's so incredible. You are working like alongside uh, two people, and like they are coming to you for questions, and you are also bouncing ideas off of them as well, and you are able to meet all of these people like in this world that's new in a sense like kind of this this podcast world is growing like more than it ever has before you're also in the comedy world as well and like eventually like this could easily pivot to so many different things whether it's scripted content whether it is comedy whether it is um scripted podcast like yeah. there, there's just so much that it could do i'm sure cadence 13 will could even branch off into film and television and then grow even well you more. see what what like wondery and gimlet you know what gimlet is i don't it's another podcast company uh they're owned by spotify as well same as the ringer okay but wondery and gimlet have both had podcast series made into tv series right dirty john on wondery. dirty john with wondery and blood think, blood something blood well they just had well. the shrink next door right the shrink next door um, I listened to that as well. That's great. On Wondery, as a good one. I think this podcast was better than the TV show. I've, I haven't seen the TV show. I haven't either. Because, but, because I, I've heard I, it's not great. Yeah, but the podcast was incredible. Podcast is incredible. I completely agree. All right, so I do want to talk about. Um, I said we were going to make this episode meta. I think it was a little bit, but I do want to talk about just uh, you know we we've been on here for about an hour already. I'm um, sorry. <laughs> no, that's perfect. That we did it. We got it all. Oh, you know what? I have to ask one more thing. Uh, well, I basically kind of answered it, but if you had to go anywhere from here, where would you go? What would you do? What's your n- next dream step? You know what? I, I don't usually have an answer for this, but I think I am getting to one. I want to be an on-air producer. Okay. I My next thing, I want to, whether it's with CJ on the NBA show or... <laughs> This is we, a, we even we even talk about the NBA. It's show. fine. <laughs> this would be a pipe dream with with Dana and David. But if I could just be on air a little bit as like the producer they make fun of, sure. Or but just to get my chops back as an on air personality, I would love to to do that. And with CJ, because I'm I, I know a ton about the NBA, I think I could do that really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I could bounce. You know, I could ask him questions, and uh, he could bounce things off of me on air. That's my next thing is to be an on-air producer. I think that's, I think that's such an achievable next step. Like that's not even that that could happen tomorrow. If you, who knows? Has there been conversations in the works like that, or is it just so new that it's uh, not um, happening yet? I've floated the idea by, but you know, I, I've learned a lot of lessons uh, in in my short time as a professional. 
I was a little too aggressive at the start, start of this job. And like my after my first recording with CJ, I was like, "Hey, what, like, what do you think about me being an audio producer?" Oh, and they were like, "No, <laughs> you know." But as I, they gave your trust. Yeah, exactly. Ultimately, yourself. I would love to pitch that again. A hundred percent. You know, Office Ladies, for instance, they have uh, Sam, their producer. I know that because he comes on air just sometimes, right. but like just enough to talk. I checked him out on Instagram, 10,000 followers. Like, yeah. he, uh... Do you know who Tommy Alter is? No. He's the co-host of JJ Reddick's podcast. Okay, I just don't... And yeah. he... He kind of has the career trajectory that I would kind of love. He worked for um, Bill Simmons' HBO show called Any Given Wednesday, which okay. is like an interview show on HBO. Then he worked for Jesus and Mero, which is like a comedy duo. Okay. And I don't know how, he just became like really good friends with JJ Reddick. And now he's his co-host... But, like, he is just involved with all these different projects, uh, both, like, scripted and non-scripted and video and podcast. And, like, he went to the Lakers game and sat courtside and, like, was shown on the, the big – you know, I'm not saying that I necessarily want to be famous. But, like, he's basically become his own personality based on just being, like, a producer. Wow. And that's kind of, like, what I would like to, to do. So you would, like – you really enjoy having multiple projects at a time as well, or as yeah. opposed to putting your own. Yeah, I mean, so that's my like. Tommy Alter would be like my five to ten year. Like, I would love to be someone like him. Long term, I I have mentioned Bill Simmons a few times, and I know he has his critics. He's undeniably just an incredible. He's incredible at his job as a podcast host, as a producer, as an executive, as a filmmaker. You know, he's involved with like he was involved with ESPN 30 for 30s and he still makes documentaries with HBO. He hosts his own podcast, he interviews celebrities. I want to be create to be storytelling and creating really in- interesting content through interviews, through documentary in multiple mediums. I think that's the coolest thing is that he's just been storytelling for years and years and years. He started as a writer. I'm starting in podcasting, but Bill Simmons would be like the dream of let me run a production company, let me film make, let me write, let me podcast, all that. That that's so achievable. You're like so on that well, track. Well, Bill Simmons is now you know got his company sold to Spotify for you know 100 million dollars or 300 million, whatever it was. So I don't achievable is a little bit of an overstatement, but uh, he's something to strive for. Well, here's what I'll say. I will say. Um, I, I definitely never told you this either, but I remember we got drinks in probably a year ago today. More, probably more. No, it wasn't. I came back. I wasn't doing anything. I know that it was post-February was of it? 2021 because I uh, I wasn't doing drinks before. Maybe it was January. It was around a year ago. Okay, around a year ago. There <laughs> you go. Got caught in the details. Feels like a different fucking world. A but year ago. I remember leaving. I remember telling my parents. I was like, "This is somebody that I really would like to keep myself as close to as possible because I know they're going to be successful, and I know that there's somebody who it would be great to possibly work with them down the line because you know they're going to have a lot to offer. I really and appreciate my that. Is very successful. You were one of the first people that I really noticed out here. It's like, really know what you're doing. You have the networking. You have something that you are very good at, and you are doing exactly that. And it's very impressive. Man, that means a lot. I I, I feel the same way about you. Um, oh, I was really impressed. I think when we first got drinks, you like knew a bunch about Philly Famous, and I was really uh, impressed by just like 
you we were just meeting to just connect as friends but you had you knew a lot about my life which i as you you looked me up on linkedin no i know i appreciate it and you asked a lot of i get a lot i get i connect with a lot of people out here and not a lot of people ask good questions and you asked really good questions you listened you had you know usually in conversations it's me asking a lot of questions mm. and you really provide you're the interviewer you really <laughs> provide a, a nice back and forth and um I mean, you're living your dream as well. I mean, you got to WME really quickly and yeah, no, I got you. Yeah. I, I really do admire how open you are with what you're doing and what your dreams are and you don't hide away from your dreams. I noticed, oh, I think thanks. it's on your LinkedIn, you say like, I'm, what, what, what are you at WME? I say I'm a comedy assistant. Yeah, 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 yeah. comedy assistant. But, scripted. Yeah, yeah, you're an aspiring, yeah, you're like you're an aspiring scripted <laughs> right. comedy writer. Yeah. And producer. Pro, sorry, producer. Yes. And like you're putting it out there. This is what I want to do. And you're very clearly on your way to doing that. I think a lot of people are a little bit embarrassed of sharing not only what they're doing, but what they want to do because they might feel like it's lofty or they might feel like um, they're just not there yet. But like you came out here with a mission and you're doing all the necessary steps to get there. Thank and you. in the meantime, you're not losing sight of what that ultimate th thing is. Oh, thank you. That's very nice. But it's not about me. It's about you. All right. Well, Greg, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, of course. Mailroom. You are doing the podcast dream right now. Following the podcast pipeline. Yeah, I thanks, man. It. it was a really nice time coming on. You asked great questions. Thank and you. Uh, I wish you, you the best great of luck. Answers. No, thank you so much. All right. got to thank my brother, Ross, for thank producing. You, Ross. And got to thank Tyler, too, because he wasn't able to make thanks, it today. Tyler. But maybe next time. Maybe a follow-up interview. Um, he'll be back. But uh, we are The Mailroom, where we interview aspiring entertainment industry professionals like Greg Holdsman over here, and we'll see you next time.